0: Well, good evening, everybody. My name's uh, Neil Turton. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's my pleasure to welcome you all to this um, evening service, which is also a baptismal service. Um, so a particularly warm welcome to the uh, friends and family of uh, Martha, Ashley, Naomi, Grant, and Michael, uh, who are all being baptized this evening. I'm sure it'll be a great encouragement uh, to them, for the fact that you've come tonight. Uh, to support them in this very special occasion for them and welcome to you also who are watching online who are unable to be with us this evening and particularly um, there are people from Northern Ireland watching um, Michael's family from over there and I know there's friends from from Birmingham watching as well Grant's friends from there so great you're able to join us in that way Just let you know what's going to happen tonight, Um, I'll give a brief explanation of what baptism is all about and what it symbolizes for the benefit of those for whom this is a new thing, who've never been to something like this before. Uh, We'll hear testimonies uh, from each of those being baptized of how they came to faith in Jesus Christ and the difference he's made to to their lives. Uh, We'll sing, uh, we'll listen to a reading from the Bible and, uh, and a sermon before we have the actual baptisms themselves. So, as I said before, if you are a visitor here this evening, you may be wondering uh, what this baptism thing uh, is all about, and in particular, why do we immerse people fully in in water like we we do in this church? Let me explain very briefly. Um, There are three reasons why we think that uh, it is important to be baptised. First of all, because um, Jesus told us to do it. Um, In the book of Matthew in the Bible, Jesus said this to his disciples, He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Godhead, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So because Jesus told us to do it. Uh, Secondly, because Jesus himself was baptized, so if he thought it was important, uh, even though he himself didn't need to be baptized, he was perfect in, in every way, uh, then it must be important for us so we're following his example. And thirdly, the early church did it. We read about this in the book of Acts in the, in the Bible, uh, when the, the apostle Peter preached to the crowds, and, and they realized they needed to be forgiven for all they'd done. They wanted to follow Jesus instead of themselves. Um, they asked the question, what should we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing magical about baptism itself. You don't become a Christian when you are baptized. Um, Baptism is is an outward symbol of something that has already taken place in the heart of the person being baptized. What is it symbolizing? What does it actually mean? Um, Again, two things, we are made spiritually clean, baptism reminds us that our sins have been forgiven or washed clean by Jesus as we put our trust in him and as we become one with Jesus, as we are united with him, he takes our sin and we receive his righteousness in return, which is not a bad deal for us. And secondly, we're given new life, new spiritual life. The going under the water represents the end or the death of our old way of living. And the coming up out of the water represents the beginning or the resurrection to a new life, which is why we baptize by complete immersion. So hopefully that will understand a little bit about what is uh, uh, going on when we do the baptisms later on. Let's now pray and uh, commit This time to to God, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the special gift of baptism. We thank you for all it means, for all of it that symbolizes the life of a believer, the dying to sin and the end to our former way of life in which we lived for ourselves and being raised with Jesus to a new life, a life of joy in the spirit a life in which we can know your forgiveness, a life in which we no longer need to fear death because we have a great hope of eternal life with you in all your glory. So we thank you that it's by your grace that Martha, Ashley, Naomi, Grant and Michael have come this evening ready to be obedient to the Lord Jesus and to testify to their faith in him, ready to receive your blessing. And we pray you would make very real to them this evening, the experience that they've already enjoyed of being united with Christ in his death and resurrection. It may be a challenge for all of us here, maybe for the first time, to respond to the invitation of our lives that you hold out to everyone, maybe to challenge us to recommit our lives to you. But We pray you'd be with us all, and may everything that we do this evening bring you honour and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we come now to our testimonies. We're going to hear from those getting baptized to how they came to faith and the difference Jesus has made to their lives. We're going to start with uh, Marta and Naomi and then Grant. Uh, then we'll sing another song and then we'll have um, Michael and Ashley after that. So, uh, Marta, can I invite you to, to come up to, to the front?
1: Good evening, everyone. So I grew up in the Catholic faith, hearing all about God, and I knew that He was holy. But to me, He was someone up there. He was distant. And I'll give you an illustration of this. Where I grew up in South Africa, it is typical um, to have hot, searing temperatures of mid-30, 40 degree heat. And it's really hot, sweltering during the day, cracking, And um, but as the afternoon approaches, uh, these big storm clouds develop, and then there's a tremendous storm, and there's big sort of cracking thunder and lightning. It's really intense. And as a young girl, I remember feeling very scared when this happened, and someone telling me that this was really God upstairs and he was angry with me. And in his anger, he was throwing his furniture around. That was the thunder. And flicking his light switches on and off. That was the, the lightning. And I really did believe this. Um, of course, I did uh, grow up and I learned about meteorological weather patterns. But that, um, <laughs> that image of God really did stick with me. And um, I felt he was someone you didn't want to mess with. And I was never going to be able to please him and be good enough. And as an adult, I was living my very independent life my way. I believed I had to be strong and never admit to any weakness or neediness and definitely not rely on anyone else. I looked for happiness and love and satisfaction and fulfillment in all the wrong places. I felt like tumbleweed, often restless. And I believe the false marketing of this world, where true, of where true satisfaction can be found. I thought it was in looking for the next bright city lights to live in, the great relationship and the next job. Well, one day, uh, about 10 years ago now, not only did I feel a sense of emptiness and drifting tumbleweed, but I was also in a harmful, controlling relationship. My partner was violent and physically abusive to me, and I lived in fear of my own physical safety I shut myself off from others I tried hard to turn things around but eventually out of desperation one night I left literally in the middle of the night in a taxi while he was asleep and I went to a place where he could not find me and at this stage of my life I was still thinking I was very much in control of my life I thought this is my mess and I must clean it up But, well, to my real surprise, um, God actually intervened. I wasn't searching him, but he intervened in my life. And soon after this, I was unexpectedly at a Christmas service. And I heard these three words, holy, holy, holy. And I remember feeling in that instant absolutely humbled, like I was down on the ground. And I didn't feel so strong anymore. I felt weak and really ashamed of who I was. It was a real turning point in my life, even though I didn't realize it in that moment. But soon after this, things changed quite significantly. And I had what felt like at the time, unconnected encounters, conversations with people, people who shared Bible verses with me, um, people who shared um, their testimonies, shared their faith stories, and even a complete stranger who shared a Christian song with me at an airport that really moved my heart. I dusted off my old Bible that I had received as a teenager and I hadn't read in decades, and I started reading it. It didn't make much sense to me, but I was intrigued. And there were things even that I read that I was quite offended by, but I was still compelled to know more. And I started meeting with Christians as well. And I learned that in the Bible, Jesus is described as the lion, the lion of Judah. He has unrivaled power and strength. And yet he was also the lamb, the lamb in weakness who was slain, the lamb who went to the cross in our place. And we read in John's Gospel that the night before Jesus died, he said these words, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So I realized that Jesus laid down his life for me, and he loved me before I expressed even one ounce of love towards him. He loved me in my worst days and in my worst times, and despite me being not good enough. And when that knowledge reached my heart, I knew that I had to give my life to Jesus. I also came to see that God does indeed dwell in the high place, a bit like that upstairs world of thunder and lightning from my childhood mind. And he is most definitely holy. But through Jesus, he met me in the low place. In my humility and shame, And weakness. And now I know He is the God of love, grace, mercy, and compassion, and I am His. And I now know that He doesn't want my strength, but He actually wants to give me His. And I'm utterly dependent on Him forever. My heart still has a tendency to go chasing after the things of this world that I think will satisfy me, but now I know that it is only Jesus who satisfies, and He brought me from. Death to life, and I'm very excited to show this today through my baptism. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Marta. Naomi, your turn.
2: Um, Hi, for those who don't know me, my name is Naomi. I was fortunate enough to be brought up in a Christian home. My parents had been members of LCBC for more than 20 years. I grew up in this church and enjoyed coming to this church a lot. I first remember when I was quite young telling my mum that I believed in Jesus, and then a few years later telling her that I wanted to become a Christian. But as I got older, in my teenage years, I felt that I knew all the answers to Sunday school questions, but felt that there wasn't anything spiritual inside me. I tried looking for the answers and praying that I could feel something or anything, but I struggled. And I decided maybe this just wasn't for me, so I started living my own way. At the time, I was quite content with how my life was going. And then in 2020, during COVID, I didn't think I was gonna cry, um, my dad unexpectedly had a heart attack and then passed away. Give me a moment. <laughs> this was the hardest and most difficult time for me and my family. I was very angry with God and pushed myself further away and really built up a resentment towards him and anything to do with him. I relied with other people and friends to help me go through this time. But I also knew that there were other people who I did and didn't know praying for me, and I'm grateful for that. A year or so after, I tried again to go to church and see if I could build something, but I struggled. And I just accepted that God and being a Christian obviously wasn't for me. I went through a breakup in the beginning of this year, so I decided this was going to be my year and go travel a few countries. And just before I did, I bumped into an old friend of mine in April. They invited me to go to church, which I replied with, absolutely not, but thank you. <laughs> so I traveled a couple of countries and absolutely loved it, but felt something inside me was missing, but I didn't think anything of it. One of the last countries I went was, was Brazil, and I was on a really long journey, and I was thinking about going back to church again, but still wasn't sure. While I was thinking about this, I was looking out the window, and there was an abandoned pillar on the road with a random Bible verse on it. Again, I didn't think anything of it, but felt an urge to look it up, so I did. And the verse was Psalm 37, verse 5. The beginning of this verse says this, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him. I strongly felt this is God telling me not to give up. So when I went back home, I was thinking about coming back to church and wasn't sure where to start. While I was thinking about this again, the same friend I saw in April messaged me asking if I wanted to go to church with them, so I did, and I felt overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, so I started to continue to go to Saint all and I committed my life to Jesus. In the past, I mentioned I struggled with feeling anything spiritual, and used to describe myself as spiritually dead, but now I feel the opposite, and feel God working through me. I never thought I would have been this type of person, but I started to prioritise going to church and started going to Bible courses like Alpha during the week. I didn't think having Christian friends as well was important, but I realized how important they are and how they can help and encourage you in your journey with Christ and your faith. And I've been blessed with the most amazing people. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Naomi. Lots of tears being shed there, I think, weren't there? Um, Grant, uh, your turn. Up you come.
3: Hi. Uh, um, yeah, I grew up in Chavington in a family that had no connection to the church or God, and always felt that I was an outsider in life. From a young age, I felt disconnected from everyone, and I started smoking cannabis at around 13, 14 I didn't really enjoy it, but carried on using it as a way to fit in. This later progressed onto to hard drugs, ecstasy, cocaine, and eventually crack cocaine. I found that this helped take away all my anxiety, and I lost control very quickly after this. I was stealing and dealing drugs to feed my drug habit. After leaving school at 15, I was employed as a scaffolder. Things looked right from the outside, but inside I felt dead. At this point, I was using cocaine daily, and this would carry on for 16 more years. Things got worse and worse. I'd been kidnapped, beaten half to death, the list goes on. And I had several suicide attempts because I just didn't see a way out. Um, My friend tried to help me get into recovery and introduced me to the 12 step meetings. After attending 12 step recovery meetings, I came away with little understanding of how God could help me. When my family couldn't, I'd searched for help from the doctors, the drug and alcohol service, and countless other outlets. With little to no progress, I could see God was working in their lives of the people in the 12-step meetings as they were clean but I just wasn't ready I had a few brief spells of being sober but I was unwilling to give my life to God and change my way of living I just kept relapsing the last relapse was the worst I was in a earth crack psychosis for three days in my loft and I I was trying to find the courage to hang myself I knew at this point I had to take some advice from people that were trying to help me I was advised to go into a dry house and I I, I went there three days later I was in a tiny little room and I just dropped to my knees and prayed and I just gave my life to God. I didn't know who he was, I just knew that he was going to save me. I then went through a 12-step program and God removed the desire to use drugs and it, just hasn't, and it hasn't come back. I had no idea who God was and I was searching through different types of meditation, prayer, just all sorts of different things. I knew he was there and he was keeping me safe. After two years of being in recovery, I was struggling a bit and was asked the question, who was God to me? I couldn't answer the question, and my sponsor at the time suggested looking at Jesus, who I knew nothing about. So I started researching him, and I attended a local church in Oxford. I was trying to disprove him at first, but by the end of it, I just couldn't. I had to acknowledge that he was real and that he was God. I was meeting with a vicar, who I had so many questions for, but he struggled to answer them. We spent time reading the Bible, but I just didn't understand it. But I knew in my heart, Jesus was God. I was living alone with my son Archie, and he was only one years old, and I was really isolated and struggling with my mental health. A house became available in Long Quendon, so I was able to be closer to my family, so I reached out to Ollie, who I knew was a Christian. I desperately wanted to know more about Jesus. We started meeting and reading the Bible together. Soon after Jeff started coming to the meetings, I was asking lots of questions which were finally being answered, and everything began to make sense. I learned what Jesus had done for me, and I knew I had to live for him and follow his path. The more I'm getting to know him, the more I know everything's going to be okay. Things are tough at the minute, but he's pulled me through so much already. I must trust in him and live for him. He has blessed me so much already. I feel blessed with being put in this church. I feel a part of the church. I felt a part of the church family straight away. I was really struggling when I arrived and everyone just helped me from childcare to hot meals, reading the Bible with me, and just helping in any way they could. It really blew me away. So I was from a struggling drug addict who couldn't see a way out other than suicide to now a father whose son will be brought up to know Jesus. I get to help other drug addicts in recovery and I'm soon to be married. I'm grateful for this new life God has given me. The song I chose tonight had these words, I am chosen, not forsaken, and free at last he's ransomed me, his grace runs deep. This is the power of Jesus in my life. I would like to finish with a verse from James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. Thank you. It's
0: great, isn't it? Each story is different, but God has worked in the hearts of each of these people. Tonight, we praise him for that wonderful isn't it? as we hear these testimonies that um, what's changed in all of these people is that whatever they have found their identity in the past it's now the same for each one of them they're a child of god that is the most important thing for each one of them we're going to hear now from um, michael i think isn't it yes
4: michael evening uh, so yeah if you don't know me i'm michael and uh, i'm not from around here um so if you need subtitles then sorry um but yeah, uh, I grew up in a Christian home in a village in Gar- called Garva in Northern Ireland. And I was very blessed to have two Christian parents. And I think I took it for granted um, back then. But they uh, brought me all my siblings up in a home where God was central. Um, but yeah, so I went along to all the youth events of the day. So uh, Boys Brigade and uh, Youth Club and campaigners and whatnot. And I kind of thought I was pretty good. Um, because Mum and Dad were Christians, I kind of assumed I was too. Um, but it didn't really click with me till I went to secondary school. Um, I went along to the Scripture Union uh, my first week, uh, and the speaker there, he kind of talked about that night about there being two teams, like a, like two football teams. There's the the team of this world uh, and the team of Christ, and the, we had to declare ourselves one team or the other. There's no sitting on the fence um I think it, that's when it kind of hit me that that I was a sinner and I was on the team of those, this world um so that night I sat down with my dad and we uh, prayed together and asked Jesus into my heart to forgive my sins um but yeah that was my first year at secondary school um but I kind of if you don't know if you know Northern Ireland it's a bit of a, a Christian bubble and I kind of didn't face many adversities or difficulties growing up um, I had a great group of Christian friends who I learned a lot from and their great encouragement but um, I kind of nearly had Jesus in the passenger seat in my life um, I hadn't quite given over complete control um, which was at this point when I went to university uh, in Belfast I decided to join the, uh, the skydiving club I don't know why um, I think it was because my older cousin he had joined a few years ago so I had to prove I was as tough as he was um, but I did two solo jumps Um, with a 50% success rate. Um, So it was my second jump, and I I did all the pre-jump checks of altimeter and checking the radio piece and all was working. Um, And I was working on the ground, but when I got on the plane, it fell very quiet. Um, We got up to 3,000 feet, and the instructor told me to stick my feet out and give me a a push. (laughs) Um, So I fell for about four seconds, and then my parachute deployed, but it had malfunctioned. and my earpiece had also broken. Um, so apparently on the ground they were shouting at me to pull my reserve. But I kind of looked up and thought I could maybe fix it myself. Uh, and try to pull the lines off the top because it was being choked by the lines itself. And I struggled by myself to try to unfurl this parachute. Um, but I was praying like I hadn't prayed in a long time. Um, and it was fell to about below 1,000 feet, and it was too low at that point even pull the reserve. Um, but there was an, some something happened. There was a, an updraft or something, but the lines became free, and I got control of the, the parachute again. Um, but I ended up. It's quite an open area, and there was no trees in the area, bar three. Um, but of course, whenever I aimed for the field I was going for, I hit one of those three trees at 20 miles an hour. But it was the protection of God that day that um, I didn't even break a bone um but i really struggled to kind of settle back into to life after that um i think it was just knowing that i was so close to dying that day and knowing that jesus had made that ultimate sacrifice for me but i wasn't prepared to even share my faith with others um i kept quiet at university uh, about my faith and always thought that if so there's always someone better than me to to help out those kind of things um so at this point I kind of handed the, the steering wheel over to, to Jesus um, I think it was I started volunteering for kids camps um, in Northern Ireland to kind of help spread the gospel that way and uh, also went on a Latin like uh, mission team to Bolivia um, and it's just been uh, trying to lean on God in all situations and trusting him and giving him complete control um, it's through those camps that I actually met Naomi, my wife um, and it's we still, we've come through a few difficult years but um, it's been God that's kind of given us the strength to get through um, so yeah, like even this time last year we just moved over to England and we whenever we kind of thought about getting married, we didn't know what was next but we prayed and we pushed doors and we felt that God was calling us to move over to to England, so even then, we just tried to rely on him to find us a home and to find us a church and jobs. Um, and it is still relying on him daily. Um, I'm now a qualified teacher, but it's a totally different uh, situation than it was back in Northern Ireland. And just pray uh, on his strength daily to, to help us both. Um, but yeah, I think the verse that's really helped me is the Philippians 4:13 That I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's helped me a lot. Uh, so thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Michael. I'm sure those watching at home would have been very pleased to hear that testimony. Um, last uh, but not least, anyway, Ashley.
5: Romans 5 8 says, But God proves his own love for us in the wo- that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. I literally came from the depths of hell. I was the lowest of the low, bottom of the barrel, alcoholic addict that didn't care if I lived or died. I stopped being a mother, daughter, auntie, sister and niece and I hated my life. My rock bottom came when I was in hospital for the second time on an alcohol detox, hearing my daughter's voice in my head asking me, Mummy, where are you? I need you, don't leave us. I knew if I carried on she wouldn't have a mummy much longer. She was better off with her dad and mine and his families than me. I decided I was going to find a way out. (laughs) I prayed in hospital that night, and from that night, my life changed, and I'm grateful every day. I was given a second chance. (sighs) The day after I was discharged from hospital, I attended a 12-step meeting, which was a meeting for alcoholics and addicts, where they help each other to find recovery one day at a time. I was welcomed with love and happy faces. I wanted what they had. It was explained to me that I needed to get a sponsor, which I did. I now know mine was put um, in my path by God. I was to follow some simple guidelines and I was to get a higher power, something more powerful and greater than myself to save me. Running on self-will had never, never had and never will work. Self-knowledge will never be enough, and no human power would suffice. I chose God the creator as my higher power. I had nothing to lose. In my second meeting here in Long Crendon, I got chatting to a fellow who was a Christian and explained that I believed in God and was praying to him, but still felt that I was spiritually suffering. He explained he himself, like a founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, had found Jesus and through him had been saved. I was intrigued and so excited this could be the missing puzzle piece and I too could be saved. It still makes no sense to me, but God works in mysterious ways. I wanted what I heard and believed that Jesus was the saviour and from that moment the obsession to drink and use vanished. He invited me to a Sunday service here at Long Crendon and introduced me to a Christian friend who I later met with for coffee and now regularly see to worship the Lord, pray and study the Bible together. Another one of God's people he put in my path. She's been amazing, so kind and so patient with me and my sometimes silly questions. I felt so much love, kindness and peace at church. I wanted what they had and I wanted to be kind and loving like they were, like Jesus is. Not full of self-hatred, self-centeredness, selfishness, fear and resentment. I felt I belonged and looked after. I felt the presence of the Lord and felt at home. No more loneliness, just love and hope. When I met with my Christian friend for coffee, it was explained to me that God loves us so much. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins, all our wrongdoings, and that without him we are lifeless. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but because of Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross, we can have forgiveness. It sounded too good to be true, and I still don't quite believe it, or that, quite honestly, after the things I've done inactive addiction, that I deserved it. I have to pinch myself sometimes to make sure I'm not still in a nightmare and dreaming. All I had to do was believe and trust. Trust the message of the gospel and believe that Jesus died for me. I prayed, I believed the gospel, I accepted the message, I turned to him and gave my life to Jesus. When I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, he totally set me free from the bondage of addiction and filled my heart. Even if you do not suffer with addiction but feel an inward emptiness, Jesus can come into your life and fill that void. I, I am today to the day six months clean and sober. There was da- Where there was darkness, there is now light, and where there was fear, there is now peace and love. I continue to seek what the Lord wants to teach me through Bible study, reading scripture, and with my wonderful church home group. I come to church every Sunday to worship and praise the Lord. I pray and meditate every day on God's word and by the gift of the Holy Spirit, I've forgiven those who hurt me. I've forgiven myself. I'm truthful, honest and love all with all my heart. Getting baptized for me is a way of showing the Lord and others physically that I'm dedicated and promised to follow Jesus as a Christian. It means I'm leaving behind the things that would upset him. My old life washed away and a new beginning. It was a loving command by Jesus, and this is worth of confessing my faith in him. I mean business. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I am so thankful for what the Lord has done for me and my family and their peace of mind. They have their mummy, sister, auntie, and daughter back. Thank you.
0: Lord Ashley, I know you're very nervous beforehand, but uh, praise the Lord for your testimony as well.
6: Our reading this evening is 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verses one to eleven, and it's page one thousand one hundred and eighty-eight in the church Bibles and page one thousand seven hundred and ninety-eight in the large print church Bibles. The day of the Lord. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing.
7: I wonder if you can finish the sentence. Time flies when? Go on, give it a go. You can say it out loud. Time flies when? Good. Right place at the? Good. I'm having the time of my. Well done. Time is a precious thing, isn't it? Every day, we have 24 hours of it. That means we have 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds. In life, in all its busyness, time can be a hard thing to have a sense of. I wonder if I can help you visualize it by this diagram on the screen. Can you see what it's doing? On the left-hand side, you've got the days of the week And corresponding to those days, you've got years. I wonder where you are. Can you plot yourself? Me? Wednesday morning, sitting down for a bowl of Weetabix. Right? That's where I am, in that 30 to 45 bracket. Where are you? But here's another question, not just where are you, but who are you? Who are you in that week? Now, some of you might be a Monday wanderer, right at the beginning of the week, looking ahead and thinking, who could I be? What should I do? All the possibilities lie in front of me, a Monday wanderer. Some of you might be a midweek worrier. You look back, you look forward, and maybe ask questions like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? Maybe I've made a few mistakes. Maybe I've made a mess of this. Can I start again? A midweek warrior. Or maybe you're a weekend winner. You look back at your life and think, you know what? All the things that I set out to achieve, I've done it. Whether it's career or family or possessions or whatever it might be, you look back with a winner's mentality. You've done it. You've made it. But maybe you're at the weekend thinking, is this it? Is this all there is? A weekend winner. It's always helpful to be reminded that however much we might have achieved in life, there's always someone that's achieved more. So it's helpful to look at someone who has achieved everything in their profession, has reached the very top and listen to what they have to say about what they found when they got there. Madonna still holds the record for the female artist with the most number one singles in history. Again, you've got to admit that's reaching the top of your profession, right? Here's what she said. My drive comes from the fear of being mediocre. I can push through spells of it and achieve something special, but then I feel like I'm still mediocre, And uninteresting unless I do something else. Even though I've become somebody. I still have to prove I'm somebody. This struggle has never ended. I guess it never will. As you plot yourself on the week. We're all left asking ourselves the question. Who am I? Am I just a collection of what happens over the course of these 70, 80, 90 years? Am I the sum total of my successes or failures in this life? Am I defined by what I do? Well, the claim of the Christian faith and the testimony and witness of the testimonies of the stories you've heard from those being baptized claim this. You are more than what you do. There is an identity on offer that is based not on what you do, but based on what someone else has done for you. Now that's a big claim, right? Maybe you've heard that before, maybe never. But to understand it properly, I think I need to take you back in time. Did you notice as you were listening to the stories of those being baptized, they didn't start telling you about today. Did you notice that? About the here and now? All of their stories started in a place called before. A place that we all find ourselves in. The reading that Naomi gave us describes this place of before like this. Notice the words highlighted. Darkness of the night. Now, this isn't a physical darkness on the outside, like being in a room without a lamp, or being outside on a moonless night without a torch. But a spiritual darkness. A darkness on the inside. A darkness where our hearts are blind to God. Blind to who he is. Blind to what he's done. Blind to what he's like. Blind to the fact that he made us. That he's given us everything that we have. That he calls us to live our lives his good way. A darkness of heart where we're dark to God himself. Through our thoughts and words and actions. We reject God. We live our lives our way and say to God, I don't need you. I don't want you. I can't stand you. The Bible calls this darkness sin. But you might say, Nath, okay, but so what? Why does it matter? Well, let me put it this way. Imagine I went to a car scrapyard, and I found a car a little bit like this, the rustiest, oldest banger on the lot, right? And I took a key to the car and made a big scratch right down the side. What's going to happen? Nothing much, right? It's a rusty old banger in a scrapyard. Nobody cares. Nothing's going to happen. But imagine I went to a Ferrari dealership. And I took the very same key, but this time scratched all the way down a shiny new Ferrari. Ooh. Right, the consequences have just got way bigger. Why? Because of the value of the thing I scratched. You see, our sin matters because of the value of the one we sin against. God is infinitely valuable. He is the source of all life, all love, all beauty, all goodness, all joy, all relationship. And so to sin against an infinitely valuable God must carry with it infinite consequences. And God's wrath, that is his good and right response to those who say no to him, is to say no to them. The darkness of our sin causes separation from God. And a danger of being separated from his goodness forever. That is the before of the stories you heard. In fact, that's the before of everyone's story darkness, sin, and separation. Now, you might be sat there thinking, that's a bit heavy, isn't it? I came to a baptism. Nath, I came for some good news, for some good stories. That just sounds a bit heavy. But it's a heaviness I think we need to hear. Because good news is coming, but good news isn't good unless it beats something bad. It's just news. And there is good news coming. Because for their stories, that place of before is not where it ended. After, before, well, I've just given a clue there, <laughs> comes what? After. And in their stories, and in the verse we're about to read and see there on the screen, there is a change, a transformation, a move from one place to another. Do you see what it says? In verse 4 and 5. But you, brothers and sisters, but you, Ashley, Grant, Naomi, Michael, Marta, You are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Now, if you had met or talked to or got to know any of those being baptized and met them before and now after this change, on the outward, they might not look, well, they might look A little bit different, right? Some of the changes you might see in their life might be huge. And again, we've heard a little bit of that, haven't we? But some of the things might be quite small changes on the outside. But on the inside, the change that has happened is exactly the same. And it is huge. They have moved from darkness to light. They have moved from the night to the day. They have moved from being separated from God to being His child. This is who they are. To see God and His beauty. To be seen by God in our brokenness. To be seen and known, yet loved and welcomed. No more hiding. No more pretending. No more fear, no more shame, but to be in the light of the day, a child of God. What a change. How is it possible? Right. How is this possible? Well, thankfully, the verse helps us see. This is what it says in sentence 9 and 10. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep. We may live together with him. People can be brought from darkness to light. From night to day. From being separated to being a child of God. How? Through an act of salvation. You see, in love, God sent his son, Jesus, into the world on a rescue mission. Jesus was flesh and bone like you and me, but his life was different. It was unique. His heart wasn't blind to God. His heart wasn't dark to God. He lived a life of light. He loved God and lived for him every moment of every day. And this innocent, light-filled Jesus, in love, chose to offer his life. He died for us. Taking the wrath, the right and good response God has for our sin that we deserve. Taking our darkness. Taking our sin. Taking our separation on himself. But he didn't stay dead. Because what good is a savior? What is good is salvation if the savior is dead. Three days later, he came back to life. Jesus defeated death. He has done something that no one else has ever done. Why? To offer something no one else can. Life. I began by asking, where are you? Who are you? In this week. Wherever you are, whoever you are. Jesus offers you life. Now. Not defined by your failures or your successes. Not defined by what you do. Jesus offers you life. Defined by love. Defined by forgiveness. Defined by what he has done. And for those of you that are being baptized today, this is your life. This is your identity. This is who you are. The verse tells you, keep putting this identity on. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Remind yourself every day, I'm no longer in the dark. I am in the light. I am of the day. I am a child of God. And like a helmet, like a breastplate, it will protect you from the lies you may come across. But more than that. For those who admit their before of darkness. For those who trust in salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus offers a life that begins now. And a life that doesn't stop at the weekend. A life that continues past this week into the next. A life that lasts beyond death. With our Savior Jesus forever. This offer is for all. This offer is for you. Please don't wait until it's too late. No one is guaranteed this week's weekend. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. So could today could today be the day Will you join with those being baptized in saying with all your heart, I am in the light. I am of the day. I'm a child of God. Not because of what I do, but because of what he has done. Can I pray for us? Just a moment of quiet just to think, just to reflect, just to respond. Father God, help me, help us see Jesus. Father God, help me, help us trust Jesus. Father God, help me, help us love Jesus. Amen.
0: So we've got to reach that moment where we're going to have the baptisms. <laughs> we've got a verse for each of those being baptized to share with you before you're baptized. The, uh, the men are going first on this occasion so they can stand around getting cold after they've been baptized watching the others. <laughs> Michael, you're first, and this is your verse from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight.
8: So, Michael, let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, Do you trust in the Lord Jesus for your salvation alone? And... Do you promise to follow him as your Lord? I do. Then with great joy, I baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. for you now. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Father, do thank you so much uh, for the work that you've been doing in Michael's heart. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, yeah, he would indeed uh, trust in the Lord uh, for all things. Uh, please, would you continue to protect his heart? Uh, would you continue to grow him in his love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus? We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen.
0: Next up is Grant. Grant, your verse is... Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe.
8: I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Do you trust in the Lord Jesus alone for your salvation? And do you promise to follow him as Lord? I do. Then with great joy, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. pray for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, so much uh, that you are indeed a strong and mighty tower. Thank you for the way in which you have drawn Grant uh, into uh, that, uh, that place of safety, of security. And Father, just pray that you would continue to uh, bless him, strengthen him, and equip him for the work that you have laid out for him. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Ashley, this is your verse from Romans 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes.
8: Ashley, let me ask you the same questions. Do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? I do. And do you promise to follow him as your Lord? Then with great joy, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. for you. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, that Ashley is uh, is not ashamed of the gospel. Thank you that it is indeed the power of God unto salvation and through it uh, your righteousness is revealed. Uh, thank you that uh, she is indeed a new creation. Uh, thank you for the work that you've done in her heart and in her life. Uh, Father, just uh, pray that that work uh, would continue and that yeah, you would bear much fruit in her life. Uh, protect protector, bless her, encourage her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Naomi. Your verse or verses are from Hebrews twelve, one to two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that it hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God.
8: Let me ask you those same questions. Do you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation alone, and do you promise to follow him as your Lord Then with great joy I baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. just uh, pray for you. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, for Naomi's testimony this evening of your goodness, of, uh, of your faithfulness, uh, the way that you have been at work in her heart, drawing uh, her back to you. I thank you so much uh, for the host of witnesses uh, that have been around her. Uh, Father, I thank you for uh, drawing her to yourself. Uh, please, would you continue that good work in her heart? And I pray that she would continue to grow in love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. That she would delight in being a child of God, known by you, with her name written in the book of life. Protect her and bless her, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Martha, your verse, uh, verses are from Galatians chapter 6, 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family
8: of believers. Let me ask you those questions. So Martha, do you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And do you promise to follow him as your Lord? I do. Then with great joy I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So let me pray for you. Uh, pray for you now. Heavenly Father, do thank you uh, so much uh, for the way that you've had your hand uh, on Marta uh, through her whole life. Father, I thank you so much that she knows you as holy, holy, holy. Uh, but she also knows you as the Saviour King who laid all that down to bring her to you. And So, Father, would you uh, please encourage her heart with the truth of the gospel? And please, would you uh, continue to use her powerfully? Uh, to proclaim the truth of uh, the salvation which you hold out for all, uh, might she be a really powerful instrument in your hand? Bless her, protect her, and encourage her. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, I think the guy is going to go and get changed now. Um, so when you do finish, um, please give them a few minutes before you go into the toilets. They might be in the middle of changing out there. Um, I hope you've enjoyed your time here this evening and been encouraged by these stories of, of transformation. And as Nathan was saying earlier, you know, the invitation is given to, to each one of us. Do we want to come into the light? Is tonight the time when you decide to do that and become a child of God? That invitation is, is out there for everyone. Maybe you just don't really quite understand what that means. And if you'd like to chat with uh, Saab or myself, uh, feel free to do so and we'd be very happy to do that. Or grab a little book on the way out on the table by the door and maybe just have a read of yourself. And in January, we're running a, um, a four-week course, if you like, What's Life All About? Um, looking at those questions. Who am I? What's my biggest problem? What's my greatest solution? And what's my ultimate hope? And there'll be more information available on that and due course. So do please take note of that. But let me close now with, um, with a blessing.